What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. This is Resistance in Residence, where we profile artists using their gifts to change the world. This week's Resistance in Residence artist is singer-songwriter and longtime East Bay Justice activist, Andrea Pritchett. Andrea is also musically known for being one-third of the nationally recognized folk trio Rebecca Riots, but she's preparing now for the release party for her long-awaited solo album called The Frame. The album's release event is this Thursday evening at the Freight and Salvage in Berkeley. Andrea, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's always good to have you on our airwaves. You are a regular guest on our show, although usually we're talking about policing issues. I've known you as a musician and also as an organizer and activist. I've never had the chance to talk to you about how you came into yourself as either of those things. So I wanted to start with, when you think of your musical upbringing, where does your mind go? Well, my musical upbringing, I'm, I'm what can I say, very untrained. You know, my, my musical education, I'm, I used to croon with records. You know, I used to sing along with, Stevie Wonder albums and Motown <laughs> records and Joni Mitchell and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I, I'm not a, I'm not a formally trained musician. I just have always looked at music and especially singing is just a, a great therapy and a great release and just a, a way to connect. Um, so I, I maybe I look at it differently from from more traditional musicians. And how did you get your start? I understand there was some experience, I think, in Zimbabwe. <laughs> yes, I I went traveling. I was I was a, very involved in the anti-apartheid movement at UC Berkeley in the mid and late '80s. And um, once divestment from companies doing business in South Africa had been achieved, I decided to actually go to Africa, and I traveled there with a friend of mine, Rose Braz. Um, and we traveled and we ultimately got jobs as teachers in Zimbabwe, but it was also there that I connected with some musicians and we would get together and with one Goanese woman and uh, a Mozambican bass player and a, a Rastafarian Zimbabwean rhythm guitar player. And, uh, and we would make songs and we played to audiences in Zimbabwe. So it was my first time ever performing publicly it was actually in Zimbabwe and um, it was an amazing experience, but it definitely helped me to get the courage to to offer music to the public um, rather than just singing in my, you know, living room. So I just want to pause for one moment because I had no idea you were going to bring Rose Braz into the conversation. Um, she's oh, yeah. someone who is no longer with us. Um, I've read things about your musical journey. Um, and did not know that she was a part of that process of it in in Zimbabwe in the southern part of Africa. Is there anything you wanted to share or stories you wanted to share about Rose Braz? For our listeners, uh, my recognition, my relationship with her was as a member of Critical Resistance, which is a national organization yeah. dedicated to abolition of the prison industrial complex that she was a longtime organizer and co-founder of. 
Well, she was absolutely a brilliant organizer. And I I knew her in the anti-apartheid movement back when she used to work for Willie Brown, actually. Mm -hmm. So by day, she had this kind of legit job. And at night, she was planning direct actions and how to shut down the port of San Francisco. Um, But we went, yeah, we we lived together and we were both teachers at a school for ex-combatants. Um, so folks from Namibia and the ANC um, and South Africa and and ex-combatants from the liberation struggle in Zimbabwe were all part of this school that we uh, lived and worked at called Danico School. And, um, and Rose actually created the library there. And I went back in 2007 and, uh, and, and the publications that she had created were still on the counter and people were still... Um, Still fondly remembering Rose, um, but yeah, we were we were there. I was there when she was uh, made the decision to go to law school, and she would study around the table at night uh, to try to pass the LSAT. And um, yeah, she was a tremendous organizer, and um, and she was tremendously supportive of you know I was going to take the LSAT too, and then I decided to just work on music. Um, so that's where that went. Wow. But yeah, she was a, an incredible, incredible uh, freedom fighter and just so dedicated and so authentic and so real. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that story. Um, it's, always, it's always fun and interesting to find out where different people um, have, have shown up in, in, in others' lives, especially in this, you know, political community. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to get a little bit more later in the conversation into more of the relationship between political work and your music, although it very much sounds like there is there's no separating those things. Um, but I, I wanted to go back in time a little bit more coming out of Zimbabwe. I mentioned that I've known you as a musician and also as an activist for a long time. I don't know if you remember this, but I also knew you as the coolest camp counselor I ever had in like <laughs> 1994 or something like that at Camp It Up, which is right. a summer camp that was built for queer families. Coincidentally, that was the also around the same time and the same place that you were building and connecting uh, with Eve Decker and Lisa Zeller, who are your collaborators in the folk group that you all built together, Rebecca mm-hmm. Riots. Can you talk a little bit, I mean, maybe about Camp It Up and those memories, but also just about what that group meant to you? Yeah, well, when I when I got back from Zimbabwe, um, you know, I had a bunch of odd jobs and was trying to find my way back into America. I had been gone for two years. Um, and getting connected to Camp It Up was life-changing. You know, people, I think, forget or maybe never knew that, that in the 90s, you know, if you, if you can really do some time travel back there, back at a time when the notion of bisexuality was sort of, hmm, you know, kind of risky, you know, you know that, that uh, the ways that we talk about gender and sexual orientation were very different in the 90s. And to have a place, a summer camp, where families could come and just be free and just the unleashed joy of the children and the families in, in a place of safety and acceptance was mind blowing to me. And, um, and that's where I met Eve Decker um, and, and my guitar teacher, Lisa Zeiler, we recruited her to come 
And, and it was out of Camp It Up that Rebecca Riots was born. And that was a trio, a folk trio. We, um, again, we approached the music. It was from the love of music itself. It wasn't with the hope of being known or getting, you know, famous or selling or making money. It was all just really about the centered um, experience and rejuvenation that comes from expressing ourselves and the resonance of acoustic music particularly was awesome. You know, just being among voices and just the the physiological um, impact of that is really healing and really beautiful. So at this time, I was also helping to start a group called Cop Watch. Mm-hmm. Um, that was in 1990. And and anybody, of course, everybody who does that kind of work, as Jesse, as you well know, it's it's stressful. It can be demoralizing. It can be scary. It can be uh, all kinds of things. And so to have the balance with music to sustain me while I tried to lend support to individuals who had survived police brutality in various forms, um, it was a real, it was a real refuge. And so, you know, any, any um, acknowledgements that we got from doing the music was sort of icing on the cake, but really the, the core of it was was the healing and the just the love uh, that we shared and just the joy of doing music, and and that journey took you to quite a few places. I I know you mentioned that it was not with an intention of being known or finding fame. It was it, or or anything of that sort. It was with the intention of creating a, a beautiful space musically and and creating an outlet. Um, but Rebecca Riots took you pretty far. Is that right? Well, you know, it, it turns out that the, t- the time was right for that sort of thing. Um, you know, I think it was like a revival of the singer-songwriter in the early 90s, too. I think Ani DeFranco mm-hmm. and, you know, a lot of other um, folks were, um, well, I could say, you know, gaining bigger audience share and, and more acknowledgement that the idea of the ballad and the storytelling and, and just kind of breaking it down a little bit and, 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 and conscious music, um, conscious lyrics seemed to have come back into style. Um, so yeah, we ended up, we toured, we, the Northwest was a favorite spot of ours. Portland had a really vibrant music scene. And again, a lot of singer songwriters, Seattle was excellent. And we ended up, we, we, we got a van, and we toured around, you know, for the better part of a year, um, made it to Florida, New York, Massachusetts, and a lot of points in between. And one thing I could tell you about having having been in all those different places, um, it was just fascinating to see different communities, intentional communities, communes, uh, radical spaces, you know, in Rutledge, Missouri, and in Nebraska and Austin, Texas, all these different places. And um, there's a lot of resistance. There's a lot of different ways of living. Mm. And uh, it was very inspiring. Um, You know, the Twin Oaks community in Virginia that, you know, this is a space where they live without money. You know, they, the, the currency is ours and you can, you know, if you need a new pair of pants, you go to the pants part of the commune and they give you a pair of pants and, you know, they deducted from your total work hours and they make tofu and hammocks and, you know, that's how they, that's how they sustain themselves. Um, 
there's just a lot of, you know, Tennessee and the, um, the moonshadow communities. And there's, there's, it was fascinating to tour around. It was great. Well, you mentioned that Rebecca riots when it was coming together was coming together in a moment that was kind of a revival of singer songwriter times. I want to move us up more into the present. You are a just releasing now an album called The Frame. Um, and coming out of that experience, I know it's been quite a while since you were performing with Rebecca Riots, but having had that experience, um, we'll talk about specifics of the album in a minute, but I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about what your um, musical intentions are with it. Yeah, yeah. I think I've, I think I've spent a fair, a fair amount of my life you know, doing political work or doing the music and or kind of investigating, you know, my spiritual life and understanding that. And I, I, I guess I feel very segmented in some mm. ways. And as I have matured over the years, I feel like it all kind of comes together now and that my spirituality is informed by my political work. My political work is informed by my spirituality and it all exists in, in a culture and a community. And so I guess for me, the frame is about where we choose to let our attention linger, what we choose to focus on, and the power that that has to to manifest. You know, that, um, you know, I think in these times where it's so easy to kind of feel despairing and it's easy to, to give up or to be cynical, um, and I, I think it's the real courage these days is the courage to envision something better and to stand behind it and to believe in it and to lean into it and to, to bring it into existence. So, so the frame is partly about that. And I think overall the songs represent a kind of balance between those things of, um, you know, the value of music, the value of spirit, the value of political conviction. Um, you know, it's also informed by my martial arts practice, which I think has taught me so much about this notion of of the center and being centered and how to be centered as I walk in these different worlds. Listening to your album, I, I hear that balance in the lyrics i also hear it in the kind of diversity of sound and and musical approach that you took some of the songs sound to my ear at least i don't know if you feel the same way but some of the sound songs sound more in that folk world that i'm more familiar with your voice in and some of them sound much more like straight up kind of like soul or like motown style r&b sound can you talk about, yeah, Well, go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, gosh, I really appreciate you listening closely, Jesse. Um, well, you know, what happened is in the post-Rebecca uh, Riots period, um, I wasn't doing much musically. A little, you know, a little gig here and there, just kind of singer-songwriter stuff. But it's kind of lonely, <laughs> you uh-huh. know, just being one person. So, uh, so I looked around, I got on Craigslist and I looked around and I found um, that there's little dance bands around. So uh, I ended up uh, singing with a couple of 
dance like cover bands. And it was really good for me because the, the, the acoustic music is so intimate and it often has so much about the message and this kind of stuff. And it's just great to dance to do Motown hits, to do some disco, do some Aretha Franklin, do some Isley Brothers. So I'm with a, a band called the Shaky Booty Band right now. I was with a band called uh, Ruby's in Town. And the whole object was to get people to dance. And what was great about that is, is, is it, you know, that, that's the music I grew up with. And um, so it was really wonderful to play in a band that had horns playing a band with pianos and drums and bass and not, it's not just guitar and, and vocals. So it's a bigger sound. It's more expressive. You can do more things with it. Um, so I had a blast with this album and I really got to realize a lot of uh, some of my musical ideas that, you know, previously I had to sort of adapt to the reality of we're a, we're a vocal trio and now I was just like, okay, let's get some of the musicians from the Shake It Booty Band to come and play horn and saxophone on this one or, or piano or whatnot. So this is a much more fleshed out uh, version of my, of my songs than I've ever had the opportunity to do. And I, I, I think it's the best stuff that I've ever done, honestly. I'm really, I'm really happy with it. Well, I I really enjoyed listening to it. You have an album release party this Thursday at the Freight, um, which I mean I remember seeing you with Rebecca Riots at the old Freight that must have been <laughs> I don't know twenty years ago or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. And I'll be there. I'm looking forward to to seeing the show. What can folks expect to see in the show? Well, the cool thing is that is that. Jesse, as you're referencing like these, these, you know, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, throughout this time, you know, folks like, uh, like Shelly Doty is a good friend. And she's also, I think, one of the best guitar players, lead guitar players in the world today. I think she's incredible. She, she played all over this album. Michelle Gerlitz is an incredible percussionist and, and drum drummer. Um, Irene Cesar on violin. Um, Deb Hungerford on piano. We've just got a lot of, um, I think, stunningly good musicians who are part of this community. So I felt able to call upon them and to invite them into this uh, project. And I think they did an incredible job. So there's a lot of people who come to the show. We'll see a lot of their local favorites. Um, so that's something to look forward to. So it's not, it's going to be a lot of, the songs are very diverse. We'll also be doing some of the some of old Rebecca Riot songs. Lisa Zeiler is she she, um, she produced the album. Uh, we worked together to to kind of flesh out the ideas and understand the the vision of this. And she did an incredible job, and she's also playing rhythm guitar, so she'll be there. So we have two thirds of Rebecca Riot's there. So we're gonna play some Rebecca Riot's tunes, and um, so maybe some of the some of the. Fan base there might might turn out for that, so I, I that's some of what to expect. Sounds fun. I also wanted to uh, ask you about. I, I saw on your website you're a member of an acoustic music collective called Wildcat Canyon, um, and the, and I haven't I hadn't heard about that before. Can you can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yeah, well, it's sort of a it's sort of a collective of women singer songwriters. Um, Shelly Doty's a part of that. 
uh, Emily Shore, Maggie Forty, Green Hughes, myself, um, you know, and various guests. But the idea is just to, um, we, we periodically have these really wonderful and diverse singer-songwriter nights um, locally and just showcase, you know, sort of like singer in the round kind of thing. Um, and uh, it's just a way of, of working cooperatively to bring our music forward and, and out into the world. Um, you know, there's so many people who are so talented around this. Berkeley is just rich with, with talented musicians. And um, I think sometimes we take that for granted. Mm. You know? So Wildcat Canyon was an effort to, to showcase some of that local talent. That's great. I, I was going to ask you this question. I, you partially answered it earlier, but I'm wondering if you wanted to add anything like be, because I know you from these a little bit distinct worlds of, of music and, and political work. I'm wondering, do you or how do you distinguish the Andrea Pritchett, the musician, from Andrea Pritchett, the cop watch activist or the political organizer? You know, it was interesting. When I went to, um, I had the opportunity to go to Standing Rock in 2016 and one of the at one of the ceremonies on the river, uh, this elder woman she she called on. She said, "Okay, women, who's got a song?" And the women came up with the song. And then she looked over at the men. She goes, "All right, men, who's got a song? Like an offering, like a song." And the guys looked at each other, and they were like, came up empty. And it was, it was interesting because it it reminded me that that. In our, in our toolkit as activists, you know, it's good to have a lot of different skills, but I, I've decided that I should always have a pen in my pocket and a song close to my, you know, song on my lips and be ready because, because the power of music in these protests and in activism has, has always been mind-blowing to me. You know what it what what music what a well placed song can do in the midst of uh, a police action in the midst you know when you're feeling kind of jittery and afraid and if you have a freedom song ready you can you can take control of that space and you can redirect it in a positive way. Um, so so it is it is intermingled. It's definitely intermingled. Um, and I think music that that doesn't have a message um, is a missed opportunity. Um, you know, I hear some some incredible beats. I hear some great music out there, and then and I'm a person who listens to lyrics, and uh, and I, I I think it's worth you know attending to the to the lyrics as well. That's the voice of Andrea Pritchett. Andrea, where can people find your music and how can people follow your musical journey? Well, this album, The Frame, is available if you go to bandcamp.com. Um, and Andrea Pritchett, Bandcamp, it'll take you there. You could just go to andreapritchett.com and you can get tickets for the show on Thursday as well as a link to the album itself. Um, I think that's the best way to best way to keep up. I also have a Facebook page, which I often neglect, but right now it's pretty up to date. 
<laughs> Excellent. Well, you are listening to Law and Disorder. I'm your host, Jesse Strauss, and this has been Resistance in Residence with this week's feature, singer-songwriter and longtime East Bay justice activist Andrea Pritchett. Andrea's new album, The Frame, is available on Bandcamp or through Andrea Pritchett's website, andreapritchett.com. Andrea, thank you for joining us today. Jesse, thank you so much. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox 5. Our Resistance and Residence theme music was composed by Jesse Strauss. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listeners. If you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam. <laughs>